Our God in heaven, we thank you for your word to us. Lord, we are, we are here to hear from you, to be challenged by you, and to respond to what you have to say to us. So, Lord, uh, we are listening, and God, we pray that by your spirit that you would speak to us. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's been uh, just over two years since I met you, Broadway. Um, I think in rainy weeks, I remember my week coming here. You probably don't remember, but it was a really stormy weekend when I came. Uh, coming into um, Fort Wayne, uh, it was raining really hard. Um, everyone on the plane was a little bit scared, wondering if we were going to make it. We landed, and the stewardess said this. Whew! <laughs> we made it. And um, you don't want to hear the stewardess say that after um, the flight, but it was, it was shaky. And then uh, Larry Schnur and I took all kinds of routes to get to his house because things were flooded. And so I think when it's a weekend like this in June, a couple years after um, candidating with you all two years ago, I begin to kind of reminisce a bit about uh, coming to Broadway. And so I, I looked through some of my emails uh, this past week, my conversations with a search committee. I read through some emails uh, with some friends of mine that were praying with me and for me and Katie about when we were deciding to come and thinking about some of the things about this church that drew us uh, to here and that um, we really sensed that God was calling us here. And one thing that stood out to Katie and me during that time when we were researching Broadway um, was the way in which it seemed that the church knew um, that we do not exist only for the sake of the members of our church. But that we seek, but that we exist for the sake and the benefit of this city. And we came across one day uh, just a really short article about the the history of the church and how Pastor Bob Yaberg and some leaders at North Highlands Church sensed a clear calling to plant a new church in the downtown area of Fort Wayne in the clear response to the needs of the of that place. Broadway began in response to the Spirit's clear calling to be a blessing to this city. And it was very clear to us as we began to learn more and more about the church that that vision has remained through the various ministries that Broadway continues to lead today. There is a clear conviction in the members of this church that in Christ we have good news that we are proclaimers of this good news to this city and that we are bearers of the presence of Christ to those around us. We want to be a church that influences our city for Christ. We are not a church that exists only to meet the needs of our members. We want to be a church that influences our city for Christ. We want to be salt and light here, right? Well, this morning, we're going to look at a great example of a church in the book of Acts that has some important qualities of a church that serves as salt and light for a city. And that church was the church in the city of Antioch. I would encourage you to turn with me to Acts chapter 11. 
Last week, we looked at the story of Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman soldier and the first Gentile convert, but he certainly wasn't the last. After Cornelius, God began to move among the Gentiles in a very powerful way. The disciples' eyes were now open to the fact that God has uh, come to the Gentiles, that Jesus is revealing himself to the Gentiles. And as Peter said, when he saw Cornelius get converted, he said, I now know. I now know that God shows no favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who obey him and do what is right. And the rest of the book of Acts is about the way that the gospel then begins to spread to all the nations out from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. From this point, Acts chapter 11, until the very end of the book, the gospel goes to the ends of the earth, the the known world at that time anyways. The book of Acts ends with Paul and his friends in Rome proclaiming the gospel. Now, Frank Sinatra sang a song that said, New York, New York, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And back then, they would have sung the song, if you can make it in Rome, you can make it anywhere. The gospel had made it to Rome, and the disciples were preaching the gospel freely in that city. After the conversion of Cornelius, the rest of the book of Acts is about the spread of the gospel out from Jerusalem, out throughout the whole Roman Empire. And the first city outside of Jerusalem where the gospel takes root and where there's a strong Christian community is in the city of Antioch. Let me find our map here. All right. So I'll get a little bit closer up here. So you see Jerusalem down to the bottom right-hand corner, and then Antioch is directly to the north. Um, Off to the east is is the Asian countries, and then to the west is Greece, and then off to Rome. Um, To the south would be Egypt and Africa. So Antioch... um, In Antioch, the Christian church became a vibrant Christian church very quickly in that city. Look at Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26, and we're going to look at some of the characteristics of the church in Antioch that made this church such an influential city, uh, influential church um, in the early days um, of the Gentile mission. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. It says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen... So again, Luke reminds us of this persecution that happened because of Stephen's martyrdom, because of Stephen's boldness way back in early early chapters in Acts, Acts chapter 4. Those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first 
at Antioch. Acts 11 tells us that in this city, in Antioch, it's where the believers were first called Christianos, or Christians. Christianos, Christian, means little Christ. And it was probably originally intended to be a bit of an insult to these followers of Jesus, but I am sure that there was nothing that the believers loved more than being called little Christ's. And so they began to wear this name proudly. Peter writes in one of his letters that if you suffer for being a Christian, be proud. It's an honor to suffer for being a Christian. Well, it was here in the city of Antioch where they first received this name Christian. It was here in Antioch in this city where for the very first time many Gentiles were becoming believers. And so the followers there were called Christians. You see, there was something new happening in Antioch. In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, it was only Jewish people who were becoming Christians. And so from the outside, from those who are Gentiles and Greeks and Romans, the controversy about this man named Jesus just seemed to be this Jewish problem. You know, every group, every religion, every ethnicity has their own internal struggles. Uh, we know that Islam has the Sunnis and the Shiites. And as outsiders, we know about these differences. We've heard about them, but we really don't understand them. And sometimes we really don't even care. Okay, uh, uh, in Christianity, there are Protestants and there's Catholics. And as insiders, we understand these differences or these distinctions between us. Outsiders may be aware that there's these differences between these Christians, but they don't really understand. They don't really know them, and often they don't really care. Well, in Jerusalem, for the first 10 years or so, the church had this conflict about this man named Jesus. But this man named Jesus and the conflict around him seemed odd to the people around them, and they just saw it just as this internal Jewish conflict. But in Antioch, something new begins to happen. In Antioch, Greeks and Gentiles begin to come to Jesus. Jesus starts to be known not only as the Messiah of Israel, but as the Savior to all the nations. Men and women from from all sorts of racial and ethnic backgrounds begin worshiping this man named Jesus. No longer is this controversy about Jesus only an internal Jewish matter. This now in Antioch becomes a matter for the whole city to deal with and to address. And so the followers of Jesus were first called Christians at Antioch. There's some some things about Antioch that I think it's important for us to know in order to understand the kind of impact that the Christians had on this city. At this time, Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was an important city in the Roman Empire. It was really a crossroads for trade. Those who were coming up from Africa or from Jerusalem by land, those who were coming from east to Rome, would have gone through Antioch. Those who were going from out from Rome to those places would have stopped in Antioch. And so it was a crossroads, and it was a very cosmopolitan city. And at this time, there were about 250,000 people who lived in Antioch. About the same amount of people who live in Fort Wayne. Although there would have been a little bit of a difference. It would have felt a little bit different. Because in Antioch, it was an incredibly dense city. Um, 250,000 people lived in a city that was four square miles. Fort Wayne has 250,000 people, and it's over 100 square miles. Which means the population density in Fort Wayne is just over 2,000 people per square mile. In Antioch, it was 80,000 people per square mile. 
Now, just to give you a little bit of a sense of this, Manhattan is the most densely populated area in the U.S. It has 65,000 people per square mile, but they had the luxury of these apartment buildings that are 50, 60, and 70 stories tall, right? In Antioch, the highest um, buildings would have been about five stories. So you can imagine how closely these people were interacting with one another, how closely they lived, how many people must have been sleeping um, in one room. And this came with all kinds of urban problems that we'll address later because the church in Antioch addressed these urban problems in some very significant and fascinating ways. And there are some particular qualities about this Christian community in Antioch that, made, uh, that gave them the ability to have a lasting impact on that city and eventually on the world. There's three things that I want to note today about the city of Antioch. First is that they were a true community. Secondly, that they were a community of prayer. And I would also encourage you to add in your notes that they were a community of prayer that listened to the Holy Spirit. And third, they were a community of mission. A true community, a community of prayer that listened to the Holy Spirit. And third, that they were a community of mission. The church in Antioch was a true community. That is to say that they were a church that was united together in spite of their differences. Antioch was a church that came together and worked together for the sake of the mission that they were called to by Christ. And they did this even though they were a diverse church racially and ethnically. Because of Antioch's location, as I said, they're a very cosmopolitan city, a lot of diverse people there. And the church in Antioch begins to reflect the diversity of the city. Look in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, Luke is very uh, deliberate in emphasizing the diversity of the leadership of the church in Antioch. He says this in verse 1. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Okay, so first there was Barnabas, who we already know earlier in Acts was from the island of Cyprus. There was a man named Simeon, whose nickname was Niger. They called him Simeon the Black. And then there was a man named Lucius, who was from Cyrene, which is also an African city in northern Africa in the present day of Libya. And then there was a man named Manaen, who grew up in Herod's household. Manaen lived among the royalty in the city of Jerusalem. His family would have been quite wealthy. And then we have Saul, who grew up in a city called Tarsus, born a Roman citizen, but also born in a very predominantly Jewish family, raised in a very devout religious family, and grew up immersed in Jewish life. It's not an accident that Luke tells us these things. He is emphasizing for us in this passage the great diversity in the leadership of the church in Antioch. Antioch is the first church where Gentiles, non-Jews, were becoming, coming to know Christ. And so one of the primary characteristics of that early church is in their diversity. This becomes even more um, evident when you come to know something about the city of Antioch. Uh, one of the ways that Roman cities were designed and planned 
is that they were planned with certain segments cut out of the city. So the city was divided in Antioch. There were 18 different segments that people in the city lived in. And they were um, divided into these different segments so that people of different backgrounds could live in the same city and interact in the same city and uh, have commerce and trade and do business with one another. But when they went home, they could go and live with those that they were like. Uh, Romans knew that birds of a feather flock together, okay? And so some of their cities uh, were built and designed in this way. And so there was a Jewish community that lived over here, and there was, uh, and they had their synagogue where they worshipped. And then there was a Greek community over here with their temple to their Greek god that they worshipped. And there was an uh, Egyptian segment over here where they worshipped. And uh, there were all these different segments in the city of Antioch. So do you see why Christians were so unique in a city like this? Do you see why Luke would take the time to emphasize the diversity of the leadership of that church at this time? The followers of Jesus were first called Christians in Antioch. The Christians were crossing over these different boundaries and were worshiping together. They were having an experience of God that did not divide them, but necessarily brought them together. There are many people in our world today who believe that religion is only a product of our culture, product of where we come from. And people in Paul's day thought the same thing. But what was happening among the Christians in Antioch is that they were experiencing Jesus Christ in such a way that brought them together. They claimed that they were worshiping the one true God, not only the God of their tribe, not only the God of their family, but the one true God, the one who is Lord over all nations. And so people from Cyprus and Africa and Egypt and Jerusalem and all over the world were coming together in Antioch worshiping this one Lord Jesus. It's no wonder the people of Antioch had to come up with a different name for them (laughs) because they could no longer point and say, oh, there's the Jews over there or there's the Greeks over there or there's the Egyptians over there because they weren't only those things. They were all coming together and so they received a new name, the name Christian. The church in Antioch was a true community. Christians were seen as different by the people living in Antioch because of the way that they lived together with one another in unity, even though they were a very diverse community. Brothers and sisters in Christ, is there any more important witness that we can bear in our country today than our unity in Christ? This past year has been a terrible year for our country in regard to our racial divisions. And this past week, we were reminded of it again in Charleston. Wounds that I think many of us assumed had been healed over in our country have been ripped open and exposed for all of us to see. Our country is clearly still divided over race. We know who is the answer, don't we? We know who is the answer, and yet we know Sunday mornings remain the time of the week where we continue to be most divided. I'm not going to preach a sermon on race today, but in light of the example of the church in Antioch, and I believe that that is a clear example of this church for us, and in light of what we're experiencing in our country and what we've seen this past week, I I do want to give one challenge 
to all of us today. It's a very modest challenge. It's a challenge that all of us can do. Um, But it's especially important for those of you who look like me. When I was in seminary, went to seminary in Chicago, and in our seminary, it was divided up about 40% white, 40% black, and about 20% from uh, India and Burma. I came from a small town in, in Indiana, and so when I began to hear um, about the experience of my black um, peers, they began sharing me some of their experiences of racism, and I became very angry about this. I heard about it. I, I thought that this was kind of over in our country, and I began asking them, what can I do? I don't want to be a part of this problem. I want to be a part of this solution, and they just began to say something that made me very angry. <laughs> they said this. They said, listen to our stories. That's my challenge to us today, is to listen to one another. There was two women, both about 20 years my senior, Linda and Joanne, uh, who began to share with me some of their own experiences. And I began to listen to them, and like I said, I was really angry that this was the only thing that they said I could do was to listen. I'm hopeless other than listening to you. I remember being very angry and frustrated by this, but I began to take opportunities to listen to my peers and to listen to their stories. And I remember after about a year and a half, I remember it very vividly where exactly I was when I was thinking about this issue, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you have listened, and I have changed your heart. I was the one who was changed in that experience of listening. It seems to me that too often when people talk about race in our culture, there's this denial, this anger, this defensiveness. I see and I hear this reaction all over the place, and I feel this reaction in my heart, and I have to consciously make myself not react in anger or defensiveness, but instead to remember to listen. And to listen in such a way that you would be willing to be changed. And let the Spirit do the work in your heart that needs to be done. Maybe there's no work that needs to be done in your heart. Maybe you have already been made perfect in this area. But for the rest of us, for the rest of us who know and confess that there must be work done in our heart in this area, let's make an effort to listen to one another. It's a modest challenge, but it's a challenge I think that all of us need to take. Because what I found is that when I began to listen to women like Joanne and Linda, I also gained an audience. I gained an audience to share my questions, to push back, to say to them, okay, I hear that, but, and they listened to me. And I hope, I hope that the Spirit used me to change them in some way as well. But we have to listen. We have to listen. Don't be defensive. (laughs) Listen. The church in Antioch was a true community, a community that was diverse in their background, but they came together in unity for the sake of Jesus Christ. And because of that, they were given the name Christian. Friends, there is no more important role that the church can play in our country right now and today than the willingness to listen to one another in our difference and to be unified under the name of Christ.
The church in Antioch was also a community of prayer that listened to the Spirit. In Acts chapter 11 and in Acts chapter 13, we read about the church gathering together, listening to the Spirit together, and then acting in response to what God told them to do. Look back at Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 30. It says, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and, through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. And this they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. In Acts chapter 11, the church is together, and God sends a message through a man named Agabus. And Agabus hears from the Spirit and says there's going to be a famine through the Roman Empire, and those in Judea especially are going to be in trouble. And so the church in Antioch says, we've got to do something. And they respond, and they, they take up a collection for their brothers and sisters in Judea, and they send it off to Paul and Barnabas, who take that collection to bless their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. This happened because they were a community of prayer that listened to the Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Uh, Verse 1 is, again, this description of the leaders in Antioch. It says in verse 2, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. In Acts 13, the leaders in Antioch are gathered together in prayer, listening to the Holy Spirit, who then told them to commission Paul and Barnabas to go out on a short-term mission trip. And they lay hands on Paul and Barnabas, and they pray for them, and they raise money and support for them, and they send them off on their trip. The church in Antioch was a community of prayer that listened to and responded to the Spirit. Third, the church in Antioch was a community of mission. The church in Antioch becomes the headquarters for the entire Gentile mission. As we read through the book of Acts, we see that the story circles uh, back to Antioch over and over again. And we'll look at this more next week, but um, they were a real champion for the Gentile mission throughout the world. Even when there was resistance um, from the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, the leaders in Antioch championed that, um, that Jesus was Lord over all nations. The church in Antioch uh, becomes the center of the Gentile mission. We see uh, that Paul raises support, and uh, the, the church raises support and sends Paul on all three of his missionary journeys. Paul always, always, Paul always leaves from and returns to Antioch. Antioch becomes Paul's home church. The global outreach team in Antioch made sure that Paul's name was in the mission's budget every year. Paul was doing good work throughout the world. This was his home church. But not only did they send missionaries, but we also saw, and when they heard that the the church in Jerusalem was going to be in trouble, they responded, and they took up a collection, and they wanted to make sure that the church in Jerusalem could do the mission that God, God had called them to do in that place. We have a mission to do here in Antioch. We have the resources to do it. Our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem are in trouble. We want to make sure that they can continue the mission there. And so we're going to make sure that they have the funds to do that. 
The church in Antioch was not only concerned with themselves and with their own needs, they had a passion for the mission of God. And history shows that this early conviction of the church in Antioch continued to be a quality of the Christian community in Antioch for hundreds of years. We have historical accounts of how Christians responded to tragedies in Antioch over the centuries. Over the course of a couple hundred years, there were many large plagues that went through the city of Antioch and killed much of the population. And it's no wonder why. 250,000 people living in four square miles, and there's no running water, and no toilets, and cattle and horses roaming the streets... There was disease, and there was lots of it in Antioch. Life in Antioch was really, really hard. And there were times where these plagues went through and killed large percentages of the population. But it was in these times where the Christians in Antioch began to shine. Because it was in those times when they lived up to their name, Little Christ. These cities that were being ravaged by disease in response, to, um, in response to the death and disease around them, Christians responded and acted like Christ. Listen to this first eyewitness account after a plague in Antioch in the third century. This is unbelievable. It says this, At the first onset of the disease, the pagans pushed the sick away and fled away even from their families throwing them into the roads before they were dead and treated unburied corpses as dirt, hoping to avert the spread and contagion of the fatal disease. Our Christian brothers, however, showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministered to them in Christ. And with the sick, they departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and then cheerfully accepting their pains. Many in nursing and curing others transferred their death to themselves, and died in their place. Sound familiar? Little Christs in Antioch. This is an account of Christians in this city about 250 years after the book of Acts. The spirit and quality of that early Christian community remained in that city for centuries. The Christians in Antioch not only proclaimed the gospel, but they lived it out. They were a true community, a community of prayer and a community of mission. They lived out the gospel of Jesus that said, love one another above yourself. As Jesus Christ was willing to sacrifice himself for others, the Christians in Antioch did the same. The Bible speaks about this important city, Antioch, and how the Christians lived there so differently that they transformed the city and the world around them. It's no wonder that the church grew and became strong in that city, right? If a plague goes through a city and your family runs away from you when you get sick, but this group of people called Christians take you into their family and care for you and nurse you back to health, when you get better, you're probably going to become a Christian, (laughs) And that's what happened in these cities. 
The church in Antioch at the time of Paul and Barnabas and for the next few centuries served as salt and light in that city. They influenced that city for Christ. That they knew that they had good news in Jesus. And they proclaimed his name in their city and they lived as Christians, as little Christs in that place. Friends, here at Broadway, we are a part of a church that from its very beginnings responded to God's call to be an influence in our city for Christ. We are called to be a true community. We are called to be a community of prayer that listens to the Spirit. We are called to be a community of mission. We're called to be a church that is not primarily concerned with meeting the the needs of our own members, although we do that for sure, but also a church that is concerned with the needs of our neighbors and concerned with our city. This is the way that we began, and it's what we are striving to continue to be. So would you join me in prayer now and ask the Spirit of God to continue to make us into this kind of community? Father in heaven, we, we thank you for these early believers in this city called Antioch. Look for the ways that they lived there, for the ways that they followed your example, so much so that the world took notice and called them Christians. Lord, we thank you for this example of this early church, and we thank you for the example of those who went before us here at Broadway, who started this church in response to a call to bless the downtown part of Fort Wayne. And God, we want to continue to be faithful to this calling. So Lord, I pray that we would remember, remember what you did for us on the cross. Remember the ways that men like Stephen and Paul and Barnabas and the leaders in Antioch, the way that they followed his example in sacrificing themselves for others. God, I pray that we would be willing to give up ourselves for the sake of those around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.